0: John and I are going to come on up. Are you ready? Rasha, John, y'all ready? Come on up. And over here, she's up the stairs too. Okay. And then we have two seats up here, John. They're right in front of you. Okay. And actually, they're right over here. <laughs> okay. There you go. You? Yep, you got it. Okay. And here's the microphone. Uh huh. So, so here we're pretty. Yeah, she's our, she's our dressing. Um, So, y'all, I am really excited. Um, Liza introduced me to John Wimmer. Um, Actually, she showed me a video of you, because I was talking about a message I was preaching about what's our impossible, that mustard seed thing I told you about. And she said, I know this guy that does impossible things, and has overcome great obstacles. And I said, that is amazing. And she said, I think he might come and talk to us. And so it's a real blessing to have John agree to come and talk to us today. Um, I'm going to ask him some questions, and. let him tell you a little bit of his story, and then we're going to let y'all ask some questions too. Um, so John, tell us first of all, um, have you always been blind or did, what happened?
1: Well, uh, I had some limited vision, and it's becoming more limited over time. It's been fading steadily since uh, like pre-kindergarten, um, but I still have some, and uh, something beats nothing. No, uh, no central, but some peripheral, mm-hmm. and uh, you can accomplish uh, quite a lot with just a little.
0: Uh-huh and so tell me about how you got involved in climbing Like, have you always been a climber or what happened to get that started?
1: Well I, I grew up in the northwest, I grew up in Oregon in a somewhat rural environment and so I had a lot of exposure to you know, the woods and nature growing up and uh, when I was in school there was uh, a gentleman that would take uh, blind kids out into the woods for days and uh, <laughs> you know it was uh, it was a mix. It was very beautiful and uh, very grueling at the same time. And the sense of, you know, actually getting off the pavement mm-hmm. and going to see beautiful things and having to labor to do it was something that I uh, really came into in my youth. Mm-hmm. You know, I had someone that inspired me.
0: Yeah. Well, I think we have a video of, of one of your climbs or something about your climbs. So I think I'm gonna show that to them to so see like that beginning and then what you've done since then. Sure. So, yeah.
1: have a few. Dude, do we look cool Yeah, man. Yes, mm-hmm.
0: I'm just,
1: uh, sorry, uh, that just That's I was sitting down, My camera fell.
0: Just a few hours,
1: two men and one dog will scale Mount Hood. Not an easy feat for any climber, but it will be even more difficult for John, who lost his eyesight more than 30 years ago. The wind has picked up real bad, and I can pretty much stand... and I just find out that her whiskers are frozen stay 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 We're currently Yosemite Falls, or the upper lower falls, the upper part of the lower falls that is. This is uh, located in Yosemite Valley, central area of the park. We're about a third of the way into our hike, we're hiking to the very top, top of the upper falls. Oh, ah, this is here! Right. Well, huh? careful, careful, go slow man. don't let go of the handrail. We're almost there. It's just 200 feet. Johnny's in pain.
0: So during that video is every time I see that with you climbing down the steps, that's the part where I'm like, oh my gosh. And as, as, he's, as we're listening to that, he, I think you know what part in the video it is because you said my mom stresses out every time she sees that. Yes, she does. <laughs> so how do you do it? <clears throat> well,
1: uh, no pun intended, but it really is a faith-based initiative. Uh-huh. Uh, the other option for not engaging is to be home, be bored and unhappy.
0: Uh-huh.
1: And uh, it's integral to quality of life. And sometimes, uh-huh. yeah, got to take some chances.
0: Well, and so I think it's impressive, John, that you try, you try and attempt things that a lot of us don't ever. And we don't have, we don't have a good excuse for sitting at home. What do you think most? Uh, no one does. <laughs> Tell me about that. I, we were talking about um, what, what are some of the peaks you've climbed or what are some of the trails you've climbed?
1: Um, well, I've uh, climbed Hood, uh, Rainier. Uh, there's a clip there from me... Uh, hiking up to the top of Whitney. It's the tallest in the lower 48, but it's not terribly dangerous if you do it in the summer. But it's a big mountain, 14.5. We've um, got some bigger mountains in Mexico. Um, one of the mountains that I'm proudest of was under 10,000 feet, Mount Thielson. Um, it's in Oregon, kind of between Crater Lake and Diamond Lake, and it's, uh, it is an actual climb, not just a hike.
0: Uh-huh.
1: And uh, I had to do like last 150, 200 feet vertical. Um...
0: Tell and us about that. Like describe describe it as you describe it's, it. It's it's
1: it's a little scary. Um,
0: yeah. But you know <laughs> it,
1: it makes one feel more alive when it's over. Uh, you know I mean life is inherently risky. You know I've been places and seen uh, on the interstate. You know mm-hmm. awful wrecks. You know yeah. and those people had no idea what was coming to them. And uh, so life is always dangerous. And even if you're just getting out on the interstate. Mm-hmm. So I I uh, think it's. Uh, it makes me feel more alive, and it feeds me spiritually to be in nature like that.
0: Mm-hmm. So tell me about that Mount Beelson climb. Like how, Didn't you say you had a friend with you, and the friend was kind of like, oh, let's forget this. Well,
1: I was driven, and you know, my friend had never been to the mountains before. Uh, he grew up in uh, Johnson County, Texas. And Go ahead
0: and make the crack about Texas. Go oh, ahead. no.
1: it's. Uh, well, <laughs> I love it down here, but much if it's flat, and I grew up in the mountains. And... He was a little concerned, and I, uh, it was hard to get there. We were there on vacation. I wasn't living in Oregon. And so there was no way in the world I was going to go halfway and just turn around. And I uh, had to leave the dog behind partway. And he was a good dog, so he, he stayed. And it was part of, uh, part of it was just uh, drive. You know, I, I, I wanted to be at the top of that mountain. Part of it was faith. I just knew that it was going to be OK.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Someone once said, uh, "Luck is when preparation meets opportunity."
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: and you know I've certainly have prepared, you know mentally and physically, and uh, you know I wanted to uh, I wanted to achieve the uh, the summit, and yeah we finally did. So we you had to did.
0: climb. What did you say? 150 feet vertical?
1: Yeah, like, it's got a, a kind of knife point kind of rock spire at the top, mm-hmm. and it's uh, it's straight up and down, and uh, it was. Uh, Going up, I can go up almost anything if I can get my hands on stuff. Coming down is where it's the most dangerous and there was some uh, female mountaineers that had ropes so I was able to do it freehand up and then use ropes for safety on the way down.
0: That's just inspiring to me, to go freehand up a thing, you know? I would. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so why is it that you think that you attempt things that most of us don't ever dream of doing?
1: Well, I, I think uh, what Kennedy's saying reference to the space program, we attempt these things not because they're easy, because they're hard. You know, the difficult things are uh, just the struggle. can be very self-edifying. You know, for me, I want to live a quality life. Mm -hmm. And, you know, getting out and engaging with the world is a big part of it. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And um, it's not just the beauty, but it's the the sense of accomplishment. Um, You know, I tell people I have a love-hate relationship with mountains. Sometimes I hate it. The pain is a bit much. Mm -hmm. The fatigue can be a bit much. But the rewards are incredible.
0: So what's it like when you stand at the top of Mount Thielsen or something like that? How do you experience it? Because most of us would say, well, we go, because we want to see it.
1: Well, I can catch some contrasts and things. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, the stars at altitude on some of these mountains are quite vivid, and Mm -hmm. I'm unable to see them in uh, in the city. And so it's nice to be able to appreciate some of the visual aspect. Mm -hmm. Um, For obvious reasons, I'm more uh, in tune with the uh, with the sounds around me. Mm-hmm. Uh, avalanches, rock falls, the sounds of the forest, winds blowing through the peaks. It's, uh, it's a very beautiful thing.
0: Y- you said it sounds like a symphony sometimes.
1: It does. Listen to the winds blow through like high mountain country. It, it does sound like a symphony. It's, uh, it's inspiring.
0: That makes me want to listen a little bit more next time I'm on the top of a mountain somewhere. Bye. Sometimes I get there. We should all do that. Yeah. <laughs> um, so tell me about Rasha. Have you always had a guide dog? And- You said
1: you haven't always. No, Rashi is actually my my second dog. Uh, I went to uh, Istanbul, Turkey, to study uh, some years ago. And I wound up uh, taking a four-story fall on it on concrete and came back home Mm -hmm. on a stretcher. And I was uh, out of commission for a little while. Had a lot of time to think about things. And uh, it became obvious I needed to affect a lifestyle change. And my first dog was a manifestation of that. I got a guide dog, and it was, just, it was amazing how things opened up. Um, <laughs> things became very easy. Yeah? Yeah. Getting what, from, from what point changed? A to point B, uh, interacting socially with people. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I get to talk to all the dog lovers wherever I go.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And that's uh, that's always fun.
0: You tell me that Rasha sometimes is like an icebreaker for you.
1: Oh, she is. She's the ultimate icebreaker.
0: Uh-huh. What is she? I've seen this in action, but they haven't, so explain to them what happens when you walk around with Rasha. Oh,
1: yeah. It, you never can tell. It's anything's possible. Mm-hmm. You know, I've been bumped from like coach to first class. Wow. I've been given so much <laughs> grace by people. You know, I've, you know, um, j- just the opportunity to make connections with people. Mm-hmm. Uh, people like dogs, you know, and they're generally good energy. And when they see us doing things together, there's kind of a, an energy between us. Mm-hmm. And I think people like that, and it gives me a chance to. Uh, interact with people a lot when I, I didn't used to do that so much before I had a, uh, a guide dog.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I noticed that like even when we went out to dinner, people just come right up to you, because they, they figure they can talk to you by talking about Rasha.
1: Yeah, exactly, and it's, it's fun being that guy. It, uh-huh. it really is a privilege. Um,
0: <laughs> didn't you say that Rasha has like a Facebook following or something? She does.
1: I, I, I should do more for her Facebook. She's limited, because she doesn't have thumbs. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, yeah, there's some pictures of her, and she has some friends on Facebook. I, I, I don't do much in the cyber world, more more so than the real world. But uh, you know, she she does have a cyber following as well.
0: I'm gonna have to friend her. Okay? Absolutely. So, yeah. Be friends with her. You can
1: never have too many friends. That's in this right.
0: World. Yes, that's right. Um, so you told me about hiking in a certain area when you were a kid, the Sky Lakes region. Is that right?
1: Sh- sure. Yeah. Um, and
0: how the perspective changed. You want to tell that story?
1: Indeed. Um, I grew up in southern Oregon, and there's an area. It's called the Sky Lakes Wilderness Area. It's a very, very beautiful place. It's kind of like a high mountain basin with uh, small lakes that are snow-fed and very clear and very, uh, very beautiful. It's in the middle of old-growth forest, and you know I've uh, been there time and time again, camped there, and other things. Um, you can you can drive to many of the places, but I did uh, 300 miles of the Pacific Crest Trail one summer from. Um, Northern California up into Southern Oregon, and that's one of the areas we went through. And being wait, wait,
0: you did 300 miles
1: Oh, the Pacific Coast. 300 Crest Trail. miles, wow. And uh,
0: how long did it take?
1: Uh, we did it in sections.
0: Okay. Uh,
1: did it in like 50 to 80 mile sections.
0: Okay. Uh, throughout the summer. Wow.
1: And one of the places that we we were at was um, this very high ridge. We were up in the peaks, and looking down on this uh, mountain basin, and I'd been there so many times, but seeing it from a different perspective
0: mm-hmm.
1: was uh, powerful. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, get <clears> to <throat> see the whole thing, mm-hmm. in, in a sense. Uh, even with limited vision, I can still see some. And just the, uh, the labor that it took to get there, mm-hmm. loading your life support on your back and actually walking up there. And we had gotten lost at some point. We originally found we, we found our, our way, of course, but. Uh, Part of it was just the, of appreciating that different perspective is what it took to get there, mm-hmm. the labor.
0: Right, because you said there's no roads there, right?
1: No, there's no roads, and some of the most beautiful things are out there, but you've got to go to them. They won't come to you.
0: Mm-hmm. And I'm gonna, I'll come back to that because John shared with me some of his favorite scriptures, and I'll, I'll close with that one that really reminds me of your passion for that. But um, do you have any advice for us when we encounter difficulties?
1: Uh... Well, I, I don't know what to say. I mean, that that's we all have those. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's in a rather obvious way, perseverance. Mm-hmm. You know, if I had folded and made a habit out of folding, I, I would not live nearly as quality of life as I have.
0: Right.
1: And um, that's key. You know, when I say I have a love-hate relationship with mountains, sometimes it's very, very painful. You know, you fall, you bang things, you step through soft snow, hit your knees on rocks. It, it can be very arduous thing and once you're in nobody will come get you right. uh, you know you, you have to like walk out and so you, you have to deal with things that you wouldn't necessarily otherwise
0: mm-hmm.
1: and uh, but the reward on the other side of that struggle is a very powerful thing
0: mm-hmm. not just the view but what it does to you inside right absolutely because like, life is a, a lot of choices that make us who we are and so if you keep making the choices to to be the person who takes on the mountain that makes you into a new person a stronger person
1: I think so. Um, in, sometimes language is, is powerful. In, in, in Latin, the word for habit is only habit in the singular, because if you use it in the plural, it becomes character. And I think that's uh, really? kind of powerful. I it's, should
0: write that down. That sounds like that'll preach.
1: The sum of <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> Nice. Um, what about, tell me what you said, if you remember, about prayer versus kindness. Remember how you said you'd rather have somebody be kind to you?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, ultimately, human kindness is the only thing that's really ever moved me in that way.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, politeness, so yeah, I get people to be polite to me all the time. I mean, it makes people look bad if they're not polite to me. So, um, True. Politeness is fine, and I think, you know, I've even done it myself. I've just used manners because I didn't want to deal with, so- with something. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's more of a challenge to be kind to people, but I think it's utterly more, it, it's... It's more rewarding, mm-hmm. and uh, it's more powerful.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and I think people are wise enough to know the difference, usually.
0: Between politeness and kindness. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, tell me about how tomorrow trumps yesterday.
1: Well, that's absolutely true. Uh, tomorrow is still unwritten, it's uh, limitless. I mean, the possibilities are out there, that there's no real constraints. Uh, yesterday's already done. You know, I, mean, you, I studied history, so certainly I find inspiration from the past.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But tomorrow is certainly more powerful than yesterday. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well,
0: well, I'm gonna. I want to read this scripture. I think um, the scriptures that we like say a lot about us. And when John and I were talking, he told me some of the chapters in Ecclesiastes that he enjoys, and I went and read them. And I picked one out because it just speaks to me of you. So I'll read it now. He could do a lot better with this because when we were meeting. You quoted poetry, I mean, just amazingly. So, But bear with me. This is, um, this is from Ecclesiastes. The earth abides forever. The sun also rises and the sun goes down and hastens to the place where it arose. The wind goes towards the south and turns around to the north. The wind whirls about continually and comes again on its circuit. All the rivers run into the sea, yet the sea is not full. To the place from which the rivers come, there they return again. All things are full of labor, man cannot express it, the eye is not satisfied with seeing it, nor the ear filled with hearing it. That just reminds me of you because you would like to see and to hear as much as you possibly can of this world around us. And we talked about how um, both of us see God in the beauty of the created world. And so it's just a joy to have you here. Is it okay if I have them ask you some questions? Oh, of course, absolutely. All right, you have a question for John? I know you do, somebody's just gotta break the ice. Okay, WC.
1: Um, good question. Uh, I'm not sure what my next adventure is going to be. Uh, maybe my next faith-based initiative is something different. Uh, getting another degree. You know, I'm, I believe in the power of education as well, and uh, I want to get another degree and do some traveling and uh, see more of the world. And. Uh, nature is certainly where I'm fed and I um, I'm thinking I want to do the wonderland trail which is a little over hundred miles It goes around Rainier up and down It goes from like forests up into the high country and it's a uh, it's a pretty rough hike but I think it would uh, well it's a story I want to tell I want to do it and I want to uh, tell that story someday
0: mm-hmm. what's on your bucket list you kinda just like rattled them off to me
1: well uh, someday I'm gonna watch the sun rise and set over Sinai and do everything else that's uh, over there, see some of the sites. Um, I am minored in classics, so I have a love of antiquities and old buildings and a sense of history. Mm-hmm. Um, nature's powerful. I want to go to Tierra del Fuego someday, mm-hmm. ride the Trans-Siberian Express. It's a long list. <laughs> you know, it's a, it's a big world. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, smaller things. Um, there's a, a Ozark Highland Trail. that goes uh, through some of the more rural parts of uh, Arkansas. It's a little like 180 miles, I think.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I'd, I'd like to do that uh, soon. That, that may be next.
0: OK. See, hey, that's inspiring. I need to put a small thing like that on my butt. Not, not that long. What, what are some other questions that y'all have for John? OK. Cliff's over there. Yes.
1: What's uh, of the challenges on one of your that Weather. Mm. Yeah. uh, A lot of them, uh, some of these things, uh, the weather conditions can change so fast and that's generally when people lose their lives, is when the weather conditions change and they get in further than they expected and they have a little too much confidence. Um, People have died on all these mountains and um, some things are just beyond your control Uh, and it it really, you do just have to have faith in a sense that it's all going to be okay. Um, you know, people have uh, lost their lives by, you know, getting hit and head by a rockfall. Can't control that. It just happens. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there was one time that I wasn't really in any jeopardy, but I was coming down from Mount Hood, and we had taken too much stuff and stored some rental gear along the way. And we were following what seemed to be the appropriate way to go. And uh, Rasha wanted to pull to the left. And I told my friend, I said, look, yeah, we should, we, should, we should trust her. I think it'll all be okay. And she took us right back down to where our stuff was. Wow. And if we wouldn't have followed her, we would have, who knows, but probably we just would have hiked further down than we wanted to, then had to come back up and retrace our steps. And once you're already fatigued, you certainly don't want to do that.
0: Mm-hmm. That's amazing. You know, she knew the way. She did. Yeah. Okay. Yes, Mark, in the back.
1: absolutely yes more than once um generally by the time that happens i'm so far in there's no way of getting out anyway (laughs) so you just kind of have to you know just be unhappy and keep stepping Mm -hmm. you know i mean there was uh when i did 300 miles of the pacific crest trail a lot of times ego would get the better of me and i would think well these these rules are for normal people these guidelines you know like when to go and this and that and uh I started at this place called Castle Crags uh, State Park, which is some granite spires in uh, Northern California. And it was, uh, I think it was in June, early June. And I thought that things would be good. And for the first 20 miles away from pavement, they were great. And then when we walked uh, around the backside of uh, a mountain it was shady, boom, lost the trail, completely covered in snow. Mm-hmm. And we had a good idea of where we should be going, so we just walked through the snow, and there was enough to obscure the trail, but it was summertime, so it, didn't, it wasn't very solid. And just about every step, you know, fall through and hit knees on rocks or bang knees into, like, bang your legs into dead falls and all kinds of stuff that was just below the surface. And it became so, so cumbersome. And if I could have, like, called 911 and had someone come get me, I, I, I may have done that. But there was no option for that. You know, you can sit there and pout a little bit and rest, and then you have to continue. Mm.
0: Great question. Great answer, too. Others? Yes, Mildred.
1: Maybe a little. Uh, I found it more frustrating to deal with the school system and my fellow man, really. Um, people have stereotypes. And I still get it to a degree, uh, but I'm just much stronger than I once was. And so it's, um, it's not a big deal anymore like it was in my youth. But uh, a sense of having to conform to people's stereotypes can be very frustrating, uh, very limiting. And you know, I didn't want to be limited in my youth. Uh, still don't, but that feeling was stronger in my youth. And uh, that was a source of a lot of frustrations. Um, But, you know, I mean, the world is full of possibilities and there's been people that have inspired me. I mean, people that have been amputated for certain things. I I knew this one guy that uh, had cerebral palsy and got a master's degree and put two children through uh, private schools and educated them in in college as well. And uh, I think, wow, that's harder than anything I've done. You know, I found that to be inspiring. Um, So there's always, you know, somebody that has it worse and for me that helps alleviate a lot of that. If I get too frustrated about my situation, which I don't often these days, um, I'll just ride the city bus around for a little while.
0: (laughs) That's so true. And you said that you actually enjoy breaking down stereotypes, right?
1: I do. It's fun. Uh, It can be a a bit disconcerting for people but that's... Okay, that's fun too.
0: So what are some of the ones you enjoy breaking down?
1: Uh, You know, I I think a lot of people assume... um, Some people don't think I have visual issues. They think I'm just uh, faking using the dog as an icebreaker for social reasons. Wow. (laughs) Because people have these preconceived ideas about about what a blind person is supposed to act like. Uh, A little bit timid, you know, afraid of their environment, not quite so bold, and that's not how I am. Um, I, I never wanted to live that way. And so, anymore, it doesn't bother me. I, I take it as a compliment when, when, when people doubt me. Because mm-hmm. what they're saying is that you, know, you don't conform to what my preconceived notions are. Mm-hmm. And that's good because I never really wanted to do that anyway.
0: Right. And we I saw that. That was uh, one of the stories I told my husband as we were out and those kids came up and mm-hmm. we're talking to Rasha and John and Liza and I are just sitting around talking. And didn't the guy say something like, this looks like a harness like a blind person would use or something. Imagine that. And Sean said, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, it sure does, doesn't it? <laughs> I was like, oh, he can't even tell. He can't even tell. Um, so that was interesting. Other questions you all have? Yeah. Uh,
1: you know, I, to be candid, I've, I've been a professional student for a long time.
0: Very learned person. you are
1: that's nice to hear yeah yeah it came from an Aggie so you know (laughs)
0: grain of salt I guess
1: (laughs) I've known a few of those
0: (laughs) yeah I I gave him the full disclosure yeah he knows yeah he's at the right school just so y'all know oh well not for you that's another Aggie over there he's asking this other questions y'all we probably have time for one more
1: Uh, she's my second guide dog. Um, my first, his name was Buster. He was a 70 pound fawn. And when I um, took that fallen Turkey, I broke my back and both my legs and some stuff. And I uh, uh, I think I was in the hospital for about a month. And then uh, about three weeks in a wheelchair. And then, uh, I know. Um, and I had a lot of time to uh, kind of think about my situation and how I got there, and um, being blind can be cumbersome sometimes. You know, uh, vision is very helpful, but being stuck in a wheelchair was uh, absolutely the no fun zone. And uh, you know, you, you realize things about yourself when you have to go through adversity like that. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> so, I was trying to decide, you know, what to do, and. I uh, did a little bit of research and I thought about getting a guide dog. I used to rebel against things that were stereotypical mm-hmm. blind people things. And it was just, uh, it wasn't working for me anymore. Like I'm taking long falls in foreign countries because I made an, an injudicious decision. Um, and so it worked out so wonderfully with my first. He was uh, just an incredible animal, incredible force. We did a lot of stuff together, uh, travel and other things. and. He eventually uh, grew old, got sick, and I had, to, uh, I had to put him down. And when I elected to get another guide dog, I, of course, went back to the same school.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, they gave me Rasha.
0: And how old is she, John? Uh, Rasha's eight. Eight? Yeah, and she's... You, and you said that how long can she be a guide dog?
1: Well, as long as she has game on her legs. Uh-huh. But I'm thinking, uh, given the summers and how fast I move and how grueling the summers are here, mm. I want to try to retire her soon, mm-hmm. uh, let her in, enjoy some of her retirement somewhere. Because
0: mm-hmm. she's very sociable.
1: Oh, she is. Yeah. Absolutely. She, and she's
0: got the cutest little smile with those teeth that stick out.
1: So. <laughs> yeah, cute and smart's a great combination. Yeah,
0: it is. <laughs> well, y'all, um, I think I'm going to call the band back up. And um, we're, we're, um, we're going to stand. Y'all stand up, Okay. Um, the band's going to come back up. I'm gonna, John and I are going to go sit back down, but I'm going to have him up here at the end of the service if you'd like to meet him. Good on, good luck. And um, I'll take your oh, mic, you. yes. We'll put it right here. And if you'd like to join with the church, I'm going to be on the front row. You can find me. We'd love to have you. Let's sing this closing song, and then I'll let you visit with John more after the service, okay?